like the right door on your way down. There's no telling where you'll end up. Can you make it through? To the night's end. seem like a kind person. I've been locked in here for years now, but I never did anything wrong. Please, let me out. Before Jimmy comes back, he tricked me and locked me away. Come on, please. I wouldn't do that if I were you, friend. This one is not to be trifled with. Ah, don't listen to him. You can trust me. Good choice, friend. Back, Ethan. I'll get you for this. I'll cut you open and feast on your soul. You'll be my slave. I appreciate you heeding my advice. You can never be too careful down here, friend. Now, I have a fantastic story for you today. A personal favourite of mine. Now sit down and relax. Yes, right there. Great. They Come Crawling. Written by Logan Noble. From the private journal of Dr. Bruce Allen. My academic quest has come to an end. I believe I've found it. The Alcanus Tamsai told him that I've haunted for decades. I've been discounted, marked by my peers. I'm tired, but I'm exhilarated. The Hungry Dark, a book that holds secrets untethered to our world. I've gone through great lengths to secure this. I'm ready to see the words that lay inside. Clouds swirled, black and pregnant with rain, swollen with thunder. Donald from the dark of his car browned up at the storm. He'd listened to the radio on his ride over, the weather forecaster's voice drifting in and out in sporadic waves of crackling static. The forecaster, in a level voice, spoke of storms all week. Donald shivered, though his car's heater was churning out warmth, he felt eerily cold. He could feel it in his bones. He reached into his coat and fished out his flask, cursing the night he had already had. Donald took a swig. The whiskey scalded his throat and sent a rolling surge of warmth through his ribcage. Didn't do much to improve his mood. It's going to take a lot more than this flask for that. He turned his gaze to his rearview mirror. Headlights enveloped his car. Filthy bastards. The men had come this afternoon. He'd been at his desk grading papers when the knocks came. Three hard knocks. When he'd answered the door, two men in black trench coats and dark fedoras greeted him. One of them, sporting a cleanly trimmed moustache, produced a badge. Hello. Are you Professor Donald Moore? 
As the man with the moustache spoke, the badge vanished back into his pocket. The move was fluid. Practiced. I am, but... May we come in? The second man spoke. He was short and stocky. His eyes dark and hooded. He flashed a false-looking smile. Yellow teeth hunched crookedly behind his pale lips. He reminded Donald of an Assyrian bulldog. I suppose so. Please. Donald led them into his office. The room was cramped and poorly lit. His old wooden desk dominating the room. It was covered in stacks of ungraded papers and dusty textbooks. Donald offered the men seats. They didn't take them. They introduced themselves. The tall one with the moustache stated his name was Agent Daigle. He introduced his partner, the Bulldog, as Agent Salazar. I'm sorry to arrive this late in the afternoon, especially unannounced. I hope you understand that our business is urgent. Daigle spoke quickly, his diction clear and particular. Donald sat down at his desk, nervously looking at the two men before him. They seemed solemn. He wondered, briefly, if they were armed. That's quite all right, agents. And I don't mean to pry, Donald said, attempting to conjure up an image of the badge in his mind. What organization are you from? Are you federal agents? The agents exchanged a quick look. Daigle spoke again. You could say that. His voice remained level, but with a tinge of impatience creeping in. I would like to cut to the chase, Professor. Do you know a man by the name of Bruce Allen? Of course, Professor Allen. He and I were colleagues at Miskatonic University. Did something happen? He's a good friend. While Donald spoke, Salazar produced a small notepad. He scribbled quickly, his ham-sized fist gripping the worn pencil tightly. Professor Allen is currently a suspect in an investigation. Donald raised an eyebrow. Professor Allen, a man nearing 50 years old, was balding, short in stature, with thick, always smudged spectacles. He wasn't a criminal. He tried to imagine Bruce committing a crime. He found that he couldn't. Investigation? For what? Salazar spoke again, his voice like nails on gravel. That's classified. Daigle glared at his partner. He's right. But I can share some facts. Professor has been investigated for theft. A valuable item has gone missing from his university. As has Professor Allen. Missing? Correct. Donald sat for a moment, processing what he'd been told. Bruce. A thief. He remembered the first time he'd met the professor. It was a literature conference in Portland. The kind that only aging professors like the two of them attended. When he'd first shaken Bruce's hand, it had been slick with sweat. What did he steal? Another look between the two men. Salazar frowned. Daigle turned his head and gave Donald a smile. It seemed forced. From far off, thunder rumbled. We aren't supposed to tell you anything else. However, I'd like to make an exception for you. You are the utmost expert of obscure literatures. Your knowledge of the stolen item may be helpful. Salazar grunted, a look of disgust rolling through his cramped features. The item in question is a piece of Lithuanian literature known as the Elkanus Tamsai. Donald looked back and forth between the agents. Their faces were grave, lips pursed. They looked tired. He couldn't help but chuckle. Salazar looked offended. You think something's funny, Professor? No, Agent Salazar. You two are chasing an urban legend. The Alcanus Tamsai doesn't exist. 
our employers see differently. I'm telling you, Donald said, still smiling. This book isn't real. He reached into his desk drawer, scanning quickly before moving to the next one. After a couple of drawers, he found it. It was a book he'd written in his youth called The Guide to Occult Literatures of the World. Though the binding was falling apart and the pages were worn, it was a book he consulted often. As he grew older, his memory had begun to fail him. Donald flipped it open, turning the pages until he found it. The two agents watched him quietly, looking interested and offended at the same time. When he found it, he grinned. Here it is. When I wrote this guide, I used many of my colleagues at Miskatonic. Professor Rice, Professor Wilmoth, but Bruce was most helpful. Though his job title says economy professor, he holds a certain love for rare tomes. The Alcanus Temsai is the one he obsessed over the most. It was published in the 16th century by Alexandra Dahlia, scholar of the time. Published many works in Latin, mostly religious texts. After many years of constant publications, Dahlia vanished. Many claimed he was dead. Then, seemingly out of the blue, the Elkanas Tamsai appeared. The book was supposedly authored by the man. The work was unlike anything the country had seen. It spoke of black masses held for creatures beyond our reality. The words were foul. The church claimed the work to be some kind of dark magic and condemned Dahlia. Too bad the man was nowhere to be found. The police searched and searched. Meanwhile, the book was passed between religious figures, hidden from the prying eyes of the people. Many of the priests and professors that had the book spoke of terrible nightmares. Many more committed suicide in violent fashions. One priest slit his throat midway through mass. Daigle whistled. Several men, after finding the book, fled their position. No one ever saw them again. That's when the book vanished from existence. No one can seem to agree what happened to it. Every once in a blue moon, a collector will claim to have a copy. They always discounted as fakes. Donald leaned back in his chair. Doesn't exist. Professor Allen is being charged for a crime he couldn't have committed. Thank you for the history lesson. Salazar stood up and tucked his pad into his jacket pocket. But here's the problem. I don't care about any of that. There's something we need from you. Salazar leaned on Donald's desk, the wood groaning under the man's massive weight. His breath reeked of stale tobacco. His eyes were grey and cold. Donald suddenly realised how alone he was on the campus. Two men from an undisclosed organisation. They could cart him away. They could murder him. I'm sorry. I think I should be going. Donald rose quickly. Salazar gripped his shoulder, shoving him back down in the seat. Hey. Listen, Professor. Alan has the book. We know he does. The question is where... His office at the Miskatonic. Have you been inside? Donald looked at Daigle for support. The tall man only stared back impassively. Don't make me ask you again. I, I, I have. Once. He sits in the building on the west side of campus. Can you get inside? Huh? Can you get inside his office? I have a master key for the campus. I think I still have it somewhere. Salazar leaned back and grinned. The motion looked unnatural on his squat head. Excellent. Grab your coat, Professor. I think it's time you led us there. I made a grave mistake. The words. Inside. They're in a language never spoken by a man. 
As I attempt to decipher them, they begin to make sense. Then the visions came of the great god Gilzab, of a thousand heads. He resides in the hungry dark, watching, waiting. His messengers are legion. Everywhere I look, I see them. They live in the shadow. Gilzahep wants me for his own. The way he claimed hundreds of men before me. How much longer can I withstand the tide? From behind him, the agents blared on their car horn. Donald glanced over his shoulder. The headlights cut through the darkness, blinding him. Who are these men? He had begun to suspect that they weren't government agents. Above him, the sky rumbled. A single drop struck his windshield. It rolled down the glass slowly, expanding as it moved. Several more came after, then it began to pour. Over the sound of the rain, Donald heard a car door slam. A quick glance to the mirror confirmed what he knew. The stout silhouette of Salazar trundled to the side of his car. With a heavy sigh, Donald stepped out into the rain. It assaulted him. It soaked through his light coat and his shoes in seconds. Salazar, face hidden under the shadow of his hat, grabbed his upper arm viciously. Let's move it, Professor. Sooner we do this, sooner you never have to see us again. Alan's building rose tall and dark before them. They hustled quickly to the door, where Salazar shoved Donald forward. Open it, now. Donald inserted the key into the lock, his hands shaking. He twisted. Nothing happened. He twisted in the other direction. The door didn't budge. Marquis, it doesn't work. It must have changed the lock since I was last here. Salazar actually seemed pleased. With a grunt, he smashed the glass with one elbow. It shattered inward, the sound muffled by the constant rain. He released Donald just long enough to reach inside and unlock the door. In. The hallway was silent. The steady thumps of rain echoed dully. The streaming water sent rivers of shadows through the foggy windows. The shadows moved down the walls and ceilings in dizzying patterns. Donald walked quickly, searching his brain. He'd only been to Alan's office a couple of times. The visits had been quick. He struggled to pull up the layout of the building in his head. The hallway took a turn. Salazar stopped abruptly, his hand gripping Donald's arm. Donald startled and looked at the big man. His eyes were wide, his mouth agape. He followed Salazar's gaze. At the end of the hallway, dead centre, Professor Bruce Allen stood. Though his features were in silhouette, Donald could tell it was him. Though, he was different. The way he stood, the way... His form seemed to shake and pulse, immaterial and whole, all at once. His outline wavered. Alan turned quickly, several furtive strides carrying him in an unseen hallway. Alan! Salazar yelled. Don't you move! He tugged at Donald's arm, and they were suddenly running. Their footfalls echoed heavily through the silent hallways, rebounding and swallowing them. They reached the new hallway quick enough to see the door close. Salazar made a guttural sound, full of anger, and shoved his hand into his jacket. When he withdrew it, he held a pistol. At the sight of it, Donald's heart plunged. Salazar released Donald and ran for the door, ripping it open. He vanished from view. 
several long moments, Donald stood, unsure of what to do. His first thought was to run, but that wouldn't work. Agent Daigle was still in the car, waiting for their return. He could also hide and wait for the nightmare to be over. He thought of his home, a dilapidated little house on the west side of Arkham, and felt a surge of violent despair. Donald suddenly felt sick. Hiding wasn't an option either. He couldn't go back. Couldn't slink back to the darkness of his home, waiting for the sun to rise so he could hurry to the distractions of work. A scream suddenly ripped through the air, a howl of pain and suffering. At the sound, Donald's blood ran cold. The scream tore through the silence like a blade through flesh, rising in volume, sharply before cutting off with a gargle. Seconds ran into eons. No other sounds emitted from behind the door. He found himself reaching for the handle. The agent seemed like a bad man, but what if he was hurt? Could he let a man die? The handle of the door felt oily, slick. The door swung open. A single lamp in the far corner lit the tiny office. The room was thick with space and shadows. The office felt eerily similar to his own. It had the same cluttered desk, same college degrees, hung askew in cheap frames. From the corner, folded into the shadows, Alan slouched. Donald could hear him breathe. He sucked air in great, cloying drags. Liquid bubbled in his lungs. He couldn't see his features, but the shape was unmistakable. Professor Alan, you remember me? Donald inched closer. The rest of the room was empty. No other doors. Where was Salazar? They come for us. They come now. Alan spoke low, his words quick and slurred. Donald inched closer. Crawling. They bring everything. They show us everything. Donald opened his mouth, looking to speak, to ask what was wrong, when a drop of liquid struck his hand. Donald lifted his hand to his face, utterly transfixed. The crimson droplet rolled over his swollen knuckles, leaving a trail of red across his skin. He slowly turned his gaze upward. The ceiling teemed. Black shapes writhed and thrashed, gleaming wetly, luminescent. Scales and tufts of hair merged. Snakes. Stars lived in their flesh. He caught sight of massive moors, dark as the ocean bottom, dark as the furthest reaches of space. Among them, skinless, Salazar howled. They coiled over his quivering flesh. Though what remained of his lips were moving, he emitted no sound. His muscles contorted and stretched from pale bone as he separated. His eyes bulged and they popped. From the shadows, Alan emerged. His eyes dilated in and out blood vessels erupting across the remaining white. His hair had gone completely grey, teeth black and dry in his mouth. Donald's mind warped. Alan held up the book. The pages were alive. Donald was running. The hallway stretched endlessly, the floor grey and alien, the ceiling dripping and obsidian. Words, formed from darkness and madness, looped in his mind. Impossibly long creatures uncoiled from the ceiling. Humanoid heads howling on twisting torsos. He was screaming too. His mind was a hive. 
The words are edged upon my existence. The book is the vessel, and we are the slaves that work the oars. They come crawling, from depths as old as the god that live upon them. They visit me at night, messengers of the great writhing deity. From beyond the windows, universes spun. Great masses of boiling flesh floated hungrily by. Donald didn't dare look back. He could hear an Antaean force coming for him. The pages spoke of it. The book. I would rather be dead than serve this god. I've ceased praying. No one listens. God is dead. His bloated corpse tangled in their great corpulence. His feet tangle. The air howls. Reality shifts and bends. Donald pulls himself to his feet and continues his flight. It's closer now. He can smell it. The deepest depths, boiling, innocuous liquids. An ocean on a world beyond reality. I'm sorry to everyone. When they come tonight, I'll be going with them. I've seen other men in the beyond. They reach for me. Tears of blood stream down their face. I will go. The choice is clear. Our world will be his. Donald doesn't make it much further. They drop from the ceiling. Their corpulent flesh entangle him. His flesh sizzles and burns. He does nothing but scream. The snakes part as a new mass enters through the ceiling. The eons snap. Within its body, thousands upon thousands of snakes writhe. A great rictus opens. Bruce Allen stands upon an ancient shore. He's surrounded by men and women just like him. Waves crash at his severed ankles. The water of the old gods are poison. Tears of blood roll down his face. He drinks them. Donald begins to scream. No one is left to hear him. My hand is here. The beginning and the end. There is the book. It is cursed. The book isn't to be opened. The words must not be read. They hold a power greater than any saint or god in human comprehension. If you can take away any words from this entry, make it these. Burn this book. Humankind isn't ready for the words within. You've been listening to the Night's End Podcast, which is a production of Dissonance Media. They Come Crawling was written by Logan Noble. If you've enjoyed this story and would like to read the further works of Logan Noble, you can go to his website at logannobleauthor.com or follow him at Twitter at Logan underscore Noble. For submissions, suggestions, or to join our Patreon for exclusive content, head over to www.nightsendpodcast.com Please remember to leave a review and a five-star rating as it helps us reach more people. Until next time, stay horrific everyone.